Welcome to the Jannie and Angie Show with January Donovan and Angela Schneiders. We have a dream to rebuild our church and restore the tender love of Christ to every human heart. We believe in women's irreplaceable role in rebuilding our church, our culture, and our domestic church. As St. Catherine of Siena reminds us, be who God meant you to be, and you will set the world on fire. It is time to rise and reclaim souls for Christ. We must deepen our formation as women and prepare ourselves to lead the new evangelization. Our vision in the Women's School is to build our church one woman's formation at a time, and only then will we set the world on fire for Christ. Welcome, everybody. So it's Maria from His Own, Abandoned Women's Ministry. We used to be out of Nashville, Tennessee, as you guys know, and now we're scattered all along different coasts. <laughs> but today I have with me a couple who I cannot wait for you guys to hear their story because I know so many of you who follow us are still single and you desire to be a wife and mom. And some of the guys I know that follow us, you guys want to be a husband and dad. And that journey can be very lonely at times and uh, hope you can come across feeling very hopeless. And um, Ange and um, Bill have just been such a beacon of light and hope for me personally. Just uh, Ange and I have gotten to be very close friends this last year and just hearing her story um, just blew my mind. And I was like, oh my goodness, they need to hear this couple. And in getting to know Bill, uh, I just feel like I got another brother. <laughs> and um, they're just amazing. So I'm really excited for you guys to just get to hear who they are and their story. But I'm going to go ahead and let you guys share some of that. So I would love to begin, just tell us a little bit, bit about who you guys are, you know, where you guys live. That's a real nice background. <laughs> and um, let's start there. Who are you two? Where'd you guys come from? How did you guys meet? Beautiful. Start oh. Oh, First sure. of all, the feeling is mutual. Mm -hmm. So thank you. It's been so great. Uh, we've been able to peruse some of your material online. And I just, as I've got, I know Ange knows you better than I do, but as I've gotten to know you mm -hmm. too, just especially the music part has been so moving to me because music has such a, I'm one of those guys that loves music, but I'm not very gifted musically myself. You know, I kind of, it seems like when I was a kid, a lot of my friends that were great musicians went the music route and I kind of, I was kind of turned into sports and stuff and the two are not mutually exclusive, but it seems like where I lived, it yeah. kind of was. Mm -hmm. And now, and now that I don't play sports anymore, I love music so much. And it's so, it just cuts the soul. It's such a powerful medium, mm -hmm. you know, and um, so deep. So yeah. anyway, the feeling is mutual. So it's been great to get to know you as well, Maria. Yeah, truly Maria, you're like a sister that I, I just never had. It's like, we've known each other our whole life and just, you know, you've been <laughs> the brightest lights in 2020. So mm -hmm. just so grateful for you and the journey that you're on. So we're honored to be here today. Yes. And very succinctly, Maria. So um, I'll go ahead and start again. Angela Schneiders um, grew up in East Central Illinois, came from a, a wonderful Catholic family. Um, and, you know, of course, like everyone else wanted to get married and have children and thought that that would probably happen sometime shortly after college. But um, in the, in, I was very blessed during my college years to um, encounter an organization called FOCUS, the Fellowship of Catholic University Students, and also a wonderful group of religious sisters 
um, who really helped me to uh, consider religious life for the very first time. So I actually spent a whole year, my junior year of college, even discerning religious life. Um, I concluded at that time I wasn't called, but I was called to serve as a missionary with focus. And even in the context of focus, I continued that discernment of my call to marriage or to religious life. You know, really, how am I called to spend my life and my love and make that gift of self? And so, um, you know, that my vocation was kind of in an incubator those first couple of years of my early 20s. And um, uh, I was able to, I think, come to the conclusion probably in my mid-20s that I was for sure called to, um, to, to marriage, but, um, and, and really started, I guess, being more available to dating. I'd certainly had relationships in college, but nothing super serious. I'd had um, an older guy that I, I had known that really kind of set the bar and he ended up entering the priesthood. I think the gift that gave me was I really encountered an authentic integrated Catholic man, mm -hmm. um, which was, you know, it's, uh, you know, Billy right here, but it really set the bar for me because I grew up in a very evangelical town. And so I'd seen good faithful men, but not good faithful Catholic men. And so by the grace of God, I had that witness and example to kind of set the bar. And then um, of course being blessed to work with Focus put me in just some incredible circles with amazing men um, that I deeply admired and respected. And also traveling the country was meeting a lot of different guys. But um, I think being in deep Catholic circles um, a number of the men that I really admired and respected ended up joining the seminary. And um, I also started, I, I was able to date um, like kind of one guy more seriously in person, but then I really started traveling. And I think a lot of people that you can, uh, that probably listen and follow you, Maria, can relate to that. We're, when you're single, you're very mobile. And so I embarked on a number of long distance, six month relationships, explored online dating and, um, you know, found myself in my turning 30, still wasn't married, you know, 35, still wasn't married and really began to combat um, a lot of just that interior loneliness and the frustration. And um, I think for women, it's, it's especially painful because it's when we start to approach kind of that mid 30 mark, um, that concern, well, gosh, it takes, sometimes you have to date for up to a year. You need to have a prudent engagement, you know, am I going to be able to have children? And so that was beginning to weigh heavily upon me. And, um, and so it was really something I had to kind of give back, give that desire back to our Lord. And Maria, really at that point, I, I had not given up, but it was at a point of surrender to our Lord in trusting in him um, at an entirely new level. I would almost say I had another conversion of coming to deeper intimacy and trust in the goodness of the Father's heart. Um, that through my business partner at the time, um, got introduced to Bill. Um, so she, my business partner was at the Napa Institute, met Bill and came back and told me about him. And I initially was not super excited because it was a total, here's this total stranger, long distance relationship. But um, we have a God who have incredible surprises. <laughs> and my first phone call with Bill was like talking to my long lost best friend. So mm. I'll let take it from there. Yeah, I, I would say very similar. Um, I actually had even more time kind of in the single wilderness than Ange did. Um, so yeah, I grew up in Southern California in Pasadena and uh, in, a, in a great family, a good Catholic family, great neighborhood, just wonderful people. My childhood was pretty idyllic. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, just um, as time went on, kind of like Ange, you know, when I got out of college, I just figured I would meet my wife either in college or right out of college. You kind of expect that. And um, I kind of went into, I got into the tech industry as a sales rep and eventually sales manager and worked in various sales 
and management positions for uh, various tech companies. And I was in Silicon Valley, which was a very, um, very innovative environment, a very uh, kind of thriving um, intellectual, but there wasn't a lot of spiritual, you know, unfortunately, I think a lot of people, I don't know what it is. It's like you, the people that are very scientific and they're very intelligent like that. They have a hard time conceiving of God because they want proof. They want reason. They want, right. you know, the, the things that they're used to, um, things that are mathematical and scientific have very specific, you know, beginning and end points and proofs and things. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of that in the faith, but it's not, you know, there are some things that we do take on faith. I would say beyond a reasonable doubt. Yeah. And um, I think, um I think uh, that Boston College professor, mm -hmm. Dr. Peter Crave, said it best once, you know, mm -hmm. when he was asked by an atheist friend, why doesn't God just kind of appear in the sky one day and say, hey, just let everybody know I'm real. This is, you know, and Dr. Crave said, you know, if God did that, he would compel us beyond our will. So mm -hmm. he gives us just enough evidence um, mm -hmm. to, to, to know that he's there, but not so much that there isn't a little bit of faith that you have to kind of meet him halfway, so to yeah. speak. So mm -hmm. when I, um, as I, as my career went on, even though I was not in a faith environment, I started to have some extraordinary, uh, you know, faith experiences on my own. I went, I took several pilgrimages to various places in Europe, did a lot of travel. And I should even take a step back because even before that, as a young guy, I had had some dreams when I was a little kid that seemed like a random dream. And then it would come true in the future. You know, some people call deja vu, but I literally had, and one was a, a gentleman down the street who it was a pretty serious situation I saw the whole thing in advance without going into detail on this podcast it was Aww. extraordinary and the very thing I was told happened like a week later mm -hmm. and I did the funny thing is when I woke up the next morning I completely forgot about it, it wasn't until it happened mm -hmm. that all of a sudden I went oh my gosh I was just showing that in a dream a week ago mm -hmm. and this happened so many times yeah. that I realized you know there must be a god because how can someone show me something in a dream when I'm asleep and then it happens later on exactly how I saw it. Mm -hmm. Not similar. Wow. Like it's like I saw the thing in advance and I'm literally witnessing the video I saw in my dream months mm -hmm. ago. So I thought, how can someone show me something that hasn't even happened yet and then mm -hmm. and reveal it before it hasn't even occurred? So I always had this faith. And of course, I was brought up in a family like that. But yeah, as you go deeper in the single years, you're kind of like, uh, okay, Lord, how about a little, uh, a little love for the home team here? Like I'm actually one of your friends. <laughs> and it uh, seems like, some of those that aren't your friends are uh, prospering a lot more than I have in this romantic department right now. And so um, <laughs> anyway, it was, and it was also, it was even double frustrating because I would also meet some really wonderful women that were just, mm -hmm. I admired deeply and greatly. They were absolutely yeah. wonderful people, but it just wasn't a love connection. It was a very yeah. strong light connection, yeah. but it wasn't a love connection. So, and, and this went on and on and kind of like Angela, I finally got to the point where I thought, look, I've seen enough crazy supernatural mm -hmm. stuff. And by that point, I had not only had the dreams experiences when I was a kid, but on some of these pilgrimages and one, I was with my sister. So she witnessed it with me. So it's like, okay, I'm not crazy, you know, or at least we're both crazy <laughs> and other people. So extraordinary, like I had never witnessed anything overtly supernatural. And in one week I saw like five things that were crazy. So I realized, God, you're in control of my life, this universe, um, you know, you can bring a wife into my life. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't decided to do so, and I still feel called to that. I just have to trust in your timing or trust in your plan. And I finally got to a point of resignation that, look, if this isn't for me, then just show me what mm -hmm. you know you want me to do and give me the same joy in single life mm -hmm. that I'd have if I was married. Yes. You know, that's all mm -hmm. I ask. And so 
And I think, you know, looking back to like your original question, uh, we were talking about earlier, what would you do different, you know, in your single years? I think it was before we went on air. Yeah. Um, I don't think I would have done much different. I traveled a lot. Yeah. I worked on myself. And, and so all those were things I realize now in hindsight that God was really grooming me and preparing me. Mm-hmm. A lot of the things I learned and I experienced really hopefully helped me be a better husband and mm-hmm. father. And, and having four sisters also helps too, you know, to <laughs> understand the woman's yeah. psychology a little better. So. Yeah. I am, I'm a lucky woman. Billy has the most incredible mother and uh, four amazing That's sisters. True. So he, you know, and I should just say for, you know, for our listeners here that between Billy and I, we have almost 90 years of combined singleness. So, you know, a lot of years, we've been married now for just over two, but it has been the most beautiful, seamless transition. And I, I just honor, honor my husband in that again, because of his, his virtue, I think being blessed of being around very strong, confident women that he grew up with, with his sisters and his mother, um, that, uh, you know, there's a lot of rumors that if you get married later in life, it's going to be so awful merging these lives together. And that's just not true. So I just want to debunk mm-hmm. that lie that, um, that you've got these two separate lives that have to merge together. No, it can be so beautiful. And that's, that's what God can do. And I think, um, kind of adding my, my points that what would I do differently? Um, I wouldn't do anything differently up until probably 31, 32. I think I had a couple of years in there where I actually, I just got so depleted. Mm-hmm. Um, because I didn't have healthy, naturally boundaries. Uh, there's just some gaps in my human formation, probably some skill set and mindset training that would have been very, very helpful. So whereas Billy, um, during those single years, he would he was wise and would just take a break and take a six month sabbatical and go to Europe and travel. Mm-hmm. I just kind of kept pounding through the wall mm-hmm. where I had to stop. And so I think I would have taken more intentional leisure and time away. And, and to keep asking that question, okay, Lord, I'm at a new season of life. I'm at a new chapter. What are you, my husband hasn't arrived yet. And that's an important script is, and we talk about that, Maria, that I had confidence. Um, we're not entitled to a spouse. I think that's very important. We're not entitled mm-hmm. to a husband or a wife. We're not entitled to children or biological children. These are pure gifts from the father, mm-hmm. but the disposition of heart that if I truly believe that God the Father is a good, good Father, and He desires my good. He desires um, uh, the deepest joy for my heart. I was 100% confident He hadn't called me to a religious life. I'd revisited that almost every five years up until I was 30. Um, and the way that I looked at it, you know, Lord, I think I, I actually would be okay being single, mm-hmm. but I don't think I will learn to love to the degree that you desire as a single person. Mm-hmm. So that gave me a window that I, I really do think he's preparing me for someone. Yeah. Um, and so again, coming back to that, I would have, uh, I would have continued to pray for even deeper trust. Yeah. And I would have had I think greater courage and confidence to step back from, from work and different and even relationships that weren't life-giving yeah. mm-hmm. and really have fought for exactly um, what, what brought me the most life and had the courage to pivot, I think, earlier. I think yeah. I, I pivoted later. I, I, I did that, but I had a couple of years in there that were absolutely not wasted everything is part of God's providential plan. And I think that's something we really want to emphasize for our, for our listeners today, that Billy and I were meant to meet at this precise moment of our life. You know, we were probably, even though I was born in North Virginia and he was born 
and Palos Verdes, California, literally on the opposite coast, we probably were within five miles each of each other a couple of different times. And, but there were experiences that Billy need to ha needed to have. There were experiences that I needed to have that were critical to our life journey that actually attracted us to one another mm -hmm. and brought us together, brought us together in the fullness of time. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's so important to look at that, those single years, not as wasted years. There's a fullness in the waiting. Yes. There's a fullness in the waiting. And, and honey, I think you say it so well that, you know, look at the special forces, right? Look at the Navy SEALs. Um, they go through extraordinary years of additional training. And I think for our single friends who've had to wait a little bit longer, God is not, um, you know, his delays are not his denials. Mm. And everything has, <laughs> everything has a purpose. And so we can only connect those dots looking backwards. But when Billy and I met, and again, he was not in Catholic, you know, a lot of the different Catholic circles for a lot of those years, because he was in Silicon Valley, yeah. you know, and, and so I thought that I'd met most of the eligible men in the country, right? But God's so much bigger. He was hiding out in Silicon Valley, you know? Or like, hiking in the mountains behind us. Yeah, right there, or yeah. hiking in Montana. Yeah. And thank God for that. <laughs> that's what's so powerful too, is um, God can raise up anyone at any moment. Hmm. And God was preserving Billy and preserving me at a certain extent for just such a time as this. And because, you know, we have a beautiful nine month old daughter, he wanted to bring Catherine Elizabeth into the world at this moment. Mm. So that's what's so key is, and, and, you know, Billy, I was 38 when we got married. He was 49. Like it kind of looks, we we're, were both kind of at that point where it looks like we might be called, might be, we're just called to be single, you know, and God can come in at the 11th hour with a plan that so far exceeds our own. And I think that's what's so special too about our story is the, <clears throat> the level of intentionality from the father yes. and the attention to detail. Mm -hmm. mm. Every little detail, even about how we met and the way that our courtship evolved were all answers for me to cries for my heart. That, that the father not only fulfilled, but so far exceeded, but it exceeded in a way that I couldn't even have imagined. Mm. So, you know, mm. I'll pause there. I, I love that so much. I love, um, can you speak a little bit into, so I've been doing this four week um, course for single women and we've been kind of digging into mindset and thoughts and words and negativity, positivity around so many of those, those different aspects. And one of the big struggles for those who've been single, and I know you guys know this very well, is just the struggle for hope. Mm -hmm. And within that hope, keeping a good attitude towards it, because when we don't have hope and when we don't have a good attitude, we don't show up as our best self, mm -hmm. right? We don't show up as our best self. We don't um, we don't become the light that God intended for us to be. We don't, you know, we don't change the world, right? Um, and can you guys speak a little bit into that hope factor? What did you guys do um, to just continue to feed that hope and that trust in God when it seemed like, Lord, where are you? You know, mm -hmm. I've been pouring out for you and I've been being faithful and all this you know, what were some maybe very tangible things that you could encourage people, both, you know, the men and the women in to when you are struggling with hope, 
you know, this is what we did, or this was some yeah. stuff. So if you could yeah, share a little bit on that. Mm -hmm. I know one thing, there was a book I read, it was called Abandonment to Divine Providence. Uh, you might've heard of it. It's pretty famous in a lot of Catholic circles. Yeah. I think it was written by a French uh, priest who's blessed, but maybe not a saint yet. But yeah. one, I, I remember reading that book and it really struck me because there's one point where he said that, um, you know, Jesus promises in the gospel, whatever you ask the father in my name will be granted. Yeah. And so he said, well, but a lot of people seem to not have what they're asking for. And he says, and he went through this whole thing. It was very systematic, almost like an attorney laying out a case, mm -hmm. but in a positive way. And he said that um, that promise requires the prerequisite that seek first the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. And then all these things will be added unto you. And then he went on to say that you who have been praying and praying relentlessly and still haven't seen the answer to your prayers, um, know this, that the longer, and he said, he said, he I'm paraphrasing slightly, but the language was so interesting. He said, this is not an except, this is a rule. What I'm about to tell you is like, is the rule, you know, not the exception. Yeah. He said, the longer that God takes to answer your prayers, the greater the answer will be when it happens. Mm. So look at that in the context of our life. I think like Ange, for example, I'm, you know, sometimes when she's um, coaching various women, I'm amazed. I think of myself as a pretty nice guy, but I'm amazed at her level of empathy and connection. I think it's because she has such a heart for people because I think God had to take her to that place of like almost utter despair, you know, just to give her, because even though I think I could relate to people and empathize with them without going to that level of despair, but there's still, unless you've been there, um, you've never, you just can't empathize at that level that she does because she's been there. So I think it's like training, like you mentioned mm -hmm. the Navy SEALs thing. I have, friend, I have several friends who are Navy SEALs and they were just telling me these crazy stuff that, you know, one night they woke us up at 3 a.m. and put us on a helicopter and flew out in the middle of the ocean and you just jump out and they just take off and they just leave you there. You're floating in the middle of the ocean. All, I mean, and it's just like, and they don't tell you, you know, they come back and get you a few hours later. Mm -hmm. And there was other swimmers that they didn't see underwater, were, you know, in case mm -hmm. somebody started to drown. But you don't know that. And so you, it, it, but it's encouraging teamwork. And he said, just the crazy stuff they put us through. They said, there was a great saying in the SEALs that the more you bleed in training, the less you bleed in combat. Mm -hmm. And I think God sometimes, you know, everybody's at a different place in the journey. Everyone's got a different mission. Everyone's got a different timetable. And I think that God sometimes allows us to experience those really rough things, but really it's just training. It's, training. it's like Navy SEAL buds training. The more you bleed in training, the less you'll bleed <laughs> and the more effective you'll be. Yeah. Teams like, you know, playing sports, the football, we train the hardest that work the hardest. They're the ones that are going to win, you know, the ones that execute. Yeah. And so I think that a lot of that translates to the spiritual life. Yeah. And I think it seems for me that hope was enkindled because I, um, God bless my godparents who got me a Bible in eighth grade in my confirmation. And, and I started reading it. Um, and fortunately, I opened it in like Psalms and Proverbs, the wisdom books. Fortunately, I didn't open it in Leviticus or I might have. You know, <laughs> But there was such powerful promises from God. I thought, this is like the Bible, man. This is the word of God. Like you can yeah. put your trust in this. Mm. So if he said it, it must be true. It just, it's not my time or season yet. Yeah. And I just have to trust. And so much of, um, I remember this line from the book of Sirach, which is in the Catholic Bible. I don't think, I don't know if it's in the evangelical Bible. Mm -hmm. um, but the, um, there's a line that says, my son, when you come to serve the Lord, prepare yourself for trials. Mm -hmm. Be sincere of heart and steadfast yeah. and undisturbed in time of adversity cling to him forsake him not and thus will your future be great and so yes. you know, a lot of people had a late start moses had a late start for his mission in life you know abraham was whatever 100 years old when he had isaac you know sarah was 99 years mm -hmm. so i mean you just never know everyone's on a different um everyone plays a different position in this sort of grand 
you know, um, journey of salvation history, everyone's in a different position, everyone's a different timetable. Um, and so I think reminding myself of that, um, and just realizing standing on the promises of God, and then occasionally reading and encouraging myself that, especially with some of the, as I mentioned, supernatural things I've seen, God can do anything. And so I'm just going to trust in him no matter what. And, um, and, you know, again, again, it seems like when I got in a place where I started to feel kind of down or depressed, I would, a scripture verse would come up, you know, the just man's hope God does not leave unfulfilled. I remember reading that one night and I just opened my Bible and it was in Proverbs um, and, and just realized that, again, you know, God's timing is unique. It's not my timing. And um, so I just have to trust and abandon myself to that and proceed on in faith. And then every lesson or heartbreak or disappointment along the way is just preparing you and building you and building more spiritual muscle mm -hmm. for your future mission. Yeah. One of the funniest things to summer Maria, Maria is um, Billy and I live up in Montana now near Glacier National Park. And so we're kind of living in a vacation cabin. Billy kind of went backwards. He bought his some rental properties and then a vacation house. And we still, we'll buy our, our other house at some point in time. So we're just living in a, living on, living by the lake here. And so we had some of our family up and one of Billy's younger brothers um, had some friends over that have known Billy for years and met mm -hmm. Billy when he was probably back in his like 20s and early 30s. Yeah. And they like, we really want to meet Angela because when we met Billy, he said he was going to meet someone that was like athletic, but also like, you know, love the Lord and like this person can't exist. And um, it was a high you know, bar. It was a high you know, bar. And, they and I'm, said, not, I'm not tooting my own horns, but what I'm trying to say yeah. is like, that was the same for me. Like I, I needed someone, a guy knew who was really athletic and, um, you know, loved our Lord and um, what have you. And like, it might seem like those things are impossible, but what gave me hope, especially in those dark moments when I felt so stuck was um, surrounding myself with amazing men and women who saw me and saw the fullest expression of who I am. And, and it just told me it's going to happen, Ange. It's going to happen. Mm. So surrounding myself with people, not with doubters or what's your problem, but those that were encouraging me to become the fullest expression of myself, or as we would say, you know, becoming integrated in whole and becoming free interiorly, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. And so um, what really turned the corner for me, Maria, was working alongside my dear friend, Janie Ray Donovan with the woman's school and doing the interior work. Because there's one thing to write a list of what you're looking for in your future spouse. That's important. We need to set a standard you know, and, and dream with God about who we'd, who we'd love to, to marry and our best friend. But then the exciting thing, we have to turn that question to ourselves: Who do I need to become yeah. to attract this woman? Then our days are filled with meaning because we're in that process with our Lord of becoming the mm. man or woman that God has created us to be. The rest of that work of God finding the person, I mean, God, God brought Billy out of nowhere. Like literally I told our Lord, you're gonna have to just drop him out of, you know, drop him on, on my front porch. And he did that. You know, it was, literally. I wasn't searching. I, I literally said, Lord, I'm going to be right here. If you, if you do desire for me to be married, that's your job. I'm going to work on our relationship and I'm going to work on who I need to become. And then you take care of the rest. And it was amazing when we're in that place of intimacy and then also in that process of becoming, mm -hmm. that gives another layer of meaning and fullness to the day. And also as an act of hope, my interior work on growing in virtue, on growing on my mindset and my yeah. skill set, and becoming that woman that God's created me to be, that Proverbs 31 woman, that's an act of hope. Yes. That's what gets me out of bed in the morning to keep growing, to keep dreaming. <laughs> that's an act of hope and faith and trust in our Lord. And so that's what I would encourage our listeners is 
um, the best way to prepare, the best way to increase your faith in your hope is to get busy with our Lord working interiorly, you know, because, and I think this is an important distinction. God is not asking us to be, I hate the word perfect. We're trying to eliminate the word perfect as our, as our world uses it to become whole. That's a word we'd like to use full, mature, integrated. God's not asking us to have arrived in order to be ready to meet our future spouse because our spouse will oftentimes have bring a whole nother dimension to our journey of wholeness and healing and restoration. However, the more interior work you do before you meet this, your spouse, yeah. you're going to be like just thanking God every day, right? Because two half empty love tanks coming together don't make a whole. Yeah. It's two integrated people coming together. And yeah. so that's, that's, you know, the greatest gift that Billy has given me is he's just, he's, um, do we both have a whole lot of work to do with God's grace? Heck yeah. But I am, I am so blessed to be married to such a man of God who, you know, I thought I had a great relationship with our lady. Well, then I met my husband who like, you know, a bad day for him is like two rosaries, you know, he is just, <laughs> and he's not just praying it to go through it. He, he has an intimate relationship with our lady. Like he's yeah. her special son. And, um, I've seen those good results from it. I'd be crazy <laughs> not to keep doing it. You know? You know, so so you know, that's, that's the beauty of, um, that hope, it, you know, when, if, if we're faithful to allowing our, our Lord to continue to transform us, to continue to make us whole, if we keep our eyes fixed on him, we can walk on water and God is literally going to walk us to yeah. that person. And so mm -hmm. we have to eliminate that mindset because there's just not enough good guys. You know, I think even as good Catholics, we think a third of our generation has been killed in abortion. My husband's killed in abortion. Right. That's that creep in there. No, God's bigger. God is bigger. Mm -hmm. And um, and so the work is who are you surrounding yourself with? Mm -hmm. Because we become the five people we spend most of our time with. So are your friends getting together and constantly having pity parties? Or are your friends getting together and getting busy growing? Mm, love that. You know, what's the mindset of your five best friends you spend most of your time with? Are your friends speaking positively? Yes. So, and then also the other thing that I did and I recognized from being single for so long is I needed to be either with family or near family. And so I chose those last couple of years to live with my parents to, and live with several other families because I really recognized from my own resiliency and um, just desiring family, yeah. um, that was a critical part of, mm -hmm. of really giving me that that solid foundation that I needed. Um, so that, that move back home was metaphorically speaking, but also physically was a huge part of my preparation to meet Bill. Hmm. You know, you think about that and so many um, single people, and this was me too, for a good part of my career is, you know, they're, they're, it's like you get to a certain age, you kind of feel the impetus to move away from your family. You're living alone in some apartment by yourself, isolated. A lot of times you're spending a ton of time at a job that you really don't love, but you're just doing for a paycheck. Now, this isn't everybody, but a lot of people are in this boat. I was in this boat for years and I finally broke out of it. That was part of me moving to Mont, you know, getting a place in Montana and like wanting to break out of the, the rat race, you know, the hamster on the treadmill that was my life in Silicon Valley. And I think it's, it's almost like this mass cultural hypnosis where we're all kind of like, Ange calls it the concentration camp without barbed wire, but it's like, we're just sort of, 
we kind of get like, you know, shoehorned into this lifestyle where we're not really living intentional. We're not really thinking about what our goals and dreams are. We're just so exhausted. We're barely trying to make it through the day. We're, you know, working our butts off for a paycheck to afford a place that we hardly even spend time at. It's just like this, mm -hmm. you know, and I think you have, at some point you have to break out of that. I mean, I think that's what you guys are doing with the woman's school and we're going to launch with a man's school too, is, is, you know, living life intentionally and really defining with clarity what it is that you want mm -hmm. and what it is that you're called to and then intentionally focusing on that. Yeah. Because now I'm doing what I love now. And so even a bad day is like still really good, you know? Yeah. It's like a jacuzzi, you know? Even yeah. a bad jacuzzi is still pretty good. <laughs> or a bad cappuccino is still not bad, you know? And so... so go ahead. Oh, that. no, go ahead. I was going to say... Well, I was going to say, I want you guys to go ahead, if you would, and share, because one of the, the parts about your story that I love, that I think ties in with what you were tying into right there, and I just want to make space for you to dive into that a little bit more, because I think it's amazing that you... I look at you too and I'm like, wow, the Lord has put together such a powerhouse couple that now you guys are working together on some amazing things. So I would love for you guys to share a little bit about this greatness journey for the men and about the women's school for the, for the women. And I know you guys who are watching this right now and listening, um, some of you guys know that I'm a software strategist and mindset coach, um, along with being in part of our ministry and speaking and singing. And so I would love for you to, to just share because you're doing work, both of you that you love now. So would you just dive into that a little bit? Because I want, um, we're going to put some links up there for people to be able to, uh, be a part of this because it's transformative. It's so transformative. And so would you guys share a little bit? Go ahead and I just want to make space for you to dive into that. Absolutely. <laughs> Again, one of the greatest fruits, you know, from um, working alongside January Donovan now for almost 10 years is I met Bill and I met Maria. So that was, you know, the reason I was out in DC when Bill and I met was because I was um, collaborating with January Donovan as she was launching what is now the Women's School with her husband, Ryan. And I met January and Ryan 10 years ago um, in, uh, December of 2010. And she told me about this art of being a woman project that she was working on. And I had been blessed to be in ministry. It had, you know, good formation, what have you, but what January and Ryan have put together and now Billy is a, comp I, I think a missing piece, a missing component, because we have to look at our formation, you know, grace builds upon nature in an integrated way. You know, this idea of an integrated dream, um, is so critical. And also at the same time, looking at all of the different arenas of our life. Mm -hmm. And so the woman's school, and I'll let Billy speak to the man's school is really, um, like, like nothing else that the world has put together yet, because, you know, Billy and I both love personal development. He's gone to all kinds of Tony Robbins and, um, you know, studied Jim Rohn and Napoleon Hill. And I've done some of the same. I love Brendan Bouchard. We've had great spiritual direction. We've had you know, Catholic formation. Um, we're both into health and wellness. Um, we both, you know, want to be good stewards of our finances and, and make sure our home environment is conducive. But no one, I had to go work really hard to put all those pieces together mm -hmm. and to think in a comprehensive way. And so January, um, corresponding with the Holy Spirit and actually looking at, you know, what we know now to be thousands of years of church wisdom has put together, put together an integrated masterclass that looks at all these different arenas of our life and helps us to start with on tapping into our dreams and desires. Yes. And from there, really understanding, okay, how does my self-image and my perception of my self-worth impact my ability to, to execute on my dreams and desires? How do I grow in my ability to manage my mind? Mm 
so that I can actually be and remove obstacles and acquire new skill sets and mindsets so I can actually bring my unique, unique light and my unique contribution to the world? What's the wound work that I need to do? So without realizing it, that's the work that I've been doing the past 10 years to the fullest extent. And then coming together with Billy, you know, that that's so much of what his journey was. You know, no one asked either of us back in high school, you know, what makes your heart sing? Mm, yes. um, what do you think your unique role is? Um, and so Billy, with all of his experience in, in you know, corporate America and, and then, you know, pursuing a less conventional path to start pursuing his dreams um, is going to be launching the man school. So honey, if you want to speak to that at all. Yeah, I would just I would just say the same thing. I think so many of us, it's kind of like what I was speaking to earlier. So many of us now are like shoehorned into a lifestyle. You go to school, you got to get into college, you know, you got to fill up these ends, and then you just gotta get a select a major, you gotta get good grades, and then you have to apply for a job. Whichever company hires you, you take that job. And there's no intentionality. Like Ann said, nobody ever says, Hey, um, gosh, Maria, what do you really what makes your heart sing? What brings you passion and joy that if you can do that for a living? Or hey, why don't we take a test and figure out what you're naturally really good at? Right. And what you love to do and, and the things you're really good at and things you love to do, wherever that intersects, let's find something in there and have that be your living instead yeah. of if you're like, um, you know, if you're like a person who's like, uh, I don't know, take an example, um, a scholar likes to study and, you know, well, we don't put you probably as a salesperson, like knocking on doors. That's probably not your best. <laughs> yeah. So I think there's such a lack of formation. We're all kind of like, it reminds me of um, something. I think it was a quote attributed to Einstein, Albert Einstein, who said that, Every single human being is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, you know, the fish will grow up its whole life thinking it's an idiot, you know? And so we have to, everybody's different. People even learn in different ways. People learn visually, auditory, kinesthetic. There's all these different things. So I think there's a lack of education and formation and yes. teaching people to discover and uncover what they're best at and then how to mold those skills to make a living at that in a life, which is, which is their optimum place anyway. Yeah. You, know, you don't want to put uh, John Elway on the defensive line, you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, you want to play in quarterback, you want to, you have to be what you're called to be. Mm -hmm. And there's yeah. such a lack of education <laughs> and formation on how to do that, discover what you're good at. Mm -hmm. And um, certainly you can profit from any experience and you can gain wisdom from it. So it's not all loss. Um, every, every adversity, you know, as Napoleon Hill used to say, has the seed of an equivalent or greater benefit. Yeah. But um, I think there's more, we need to spend more time focusing on what we're really called to do, what God, yeah. you know, Catherine Fisiana said, mm -hmm. if you are what you should be, you'll set the world on fire. So discovering and uncovering what is that mission that God has yeah. placed on your heart. And I heard a guy say once that, you know, if you, we were at this, we were at the sales convention. He said, if you won the lottery tomorrow and you never had to work another day in your life, what would you do? Mm. And he said, the answer to that question is very probably what you should be doing right mm -hmm. now, because even if it's something unconventional, you'll probably get so good at it, you'll find a way to make it work and you'll probably make a great totally. living at it and you'll help so many people. So that's really what this, this greatness journey course that Ryan and January have worked so diligently to put together. And what was interesting is for years being in that sales world, you know, I was either trying to motivate myself or when I was a sales manager or director of sales, I was basically looking for things to motivate the team and, it's, and inspire them to get better and be more productive, you know, mm -hmm. a 10% increase in productivity in your sales force could amount to like millions of dollars in extra revenue and lots of extra business for the company. And so I was always a student of this stuff. And, and um, it always fascinated me that you have someone who, you know, is an absolute expert in their field, one of the best in the world, at what they do. And they have maybe 50, 60 years, a lifetime of, of work experience in an area where they've gotten really, mm -hmm. really good. And then they write a book 
of the best of their 60 years of experience. And you can read that book in five or six hours and get like half a century of wisdom in like five or six hours in a Saturday afternoon. We should be reading like crazy. We should be studying. We should be learning. And that's really what Ryan in January did with this course. There is, um, you know, they're not very old, but I tell you what, there is centuries of personal division, the wisdom of the ages uh, in that, you know, I feel like in my own 50 years, I've got a lot of I've got probably, you know, 300 years worth of experience in my mind that I want to share and pour out on this Mm -hmm. course, Um, not only from my own experience, and I've lived a lot, but also from just reading so many books and and taking the best of what others have already discovered. Mm -hmm. And so that's how you make quantum leaps, I think, in your progress. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that's really what we're trying to do in this course is share that. Exactly. And I think too, Maria, as you and I are both so passionate about you know, we have a, a self-worth crisis in our world right now. And especially during those single years when it's not happening, that could actually uh-huh. compound our inner self, which mm-hmm. totally transforms how we show up. I mean, that was, a, it's a big, our attitude determines our reality and our experience in life yeah. and what we expect, you know, calibrating that expectation. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we've got a self-worth crisis and we have a, a skill set and a mindset crisis. And so often right now, when there's so much information available to us, that information can actually lead to overwhelm and anxiety. Yes. Because we don't know how to apply it. And so the greatness journey, the man school, the woman school, what, you know, what we're all doing together here is not only providing a very systematic integrated approach to um, apply and practice what we're learning, but also provides guides and mentors to accompany us. Because I think we also have a crisis of accompaniment. Yes. Because when we're, we're going through a massive growth phase, we need people to walk with us to help us formulate that action plan, to have accountability, to create a new vision for what's possible. Yeah. And especially when we're in that place of depletion or stuck, it's, it's hard to imagine a new possibility when you can't see beyond today. Yes. So I am, I'm just so excited about all that because I just think that's going to breathe so much life Mm-hmm. into people who are single or people who are married too. You know, I just think there's such a need for this kind of work, particularly for those of us who are strong Catholics and we have that spiritual formation, but that, that human formation mm-hmm. is so yeah. important. And that really impacts the way that we live our single years. It impacts the way that we date. It impacts the way that we'll actually enter into marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, as you, you know, something that you have said a lot, Angie, is just how easy that transition into marriage has been for you over the last, you know, two years of just because of that, having had that formation, you know, and have, having done that interior healing and work. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely want to plug, um, we're going to have some links in the notes there where you guys can tune into all the good things that they're doing there. What I would love for you to just um, just touch on is just share, how did you guys know that each or the other was the one? What was this, what was the part? Cause that's something that people always ask. Yes. So I think what I'll say, and I, and again, I just want to honor every man that I've dated. I mean, I, I just was so blessed. I, I was always just dated incredible men. Mm-hmm who I deeply admired and respected, who treated me like an absolute princess. So I had a, I had a beautiful dating experience for 20 years as I was out there. So I just want to honor those men. The difference with Billy um, was that literally from our first phone call, it I just felt like I was home. Mm. And, and, and that's, that might be frustrating. It's not a concrete thing, but with Billy, it was just like, we'd always been kind of living parallel lives. And then finally at the right time, God brought us together. And it was just like this 
it was almost like this finally getting into sync where there were a lot of other men that I dated that I have deep admiration for where we had great resumes. We looked awesome together, but it nothing, it just didn't, we weren't in sync. And with Billy, it just felt like I'm home. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it was so beautiful as we were after we got married and, and merging our, you know, setting up our home. Billy and I both didn't have a lot of material possessions, but we had a lot of books. <laughs> and as we were going through our books and like our, you know, like yes. you know, enough to have like a lot of CDs, you know, yeah. we'd been half of, we'd be each, each probably came with about 20 boxes of books. Half of those books were the same book. I love it. There was just like this, God had been preparing us for one another. And even though we grew up in slightly different decades and different parts of the country, we had very similar families of origin and very comparable experiences that it was just this, I've met my life partner. I've met my best friend. And I think that's a distinction too, that we can't um, sell short. It's not only did Billy and I have a spiritual connection and a, a very common worldview and faith view and political view, but he's my best friend. Like I really enjoy, you know, just hanging, doing, out. hanging out and doing very mundane things together. And I think that natural friendship is such a critical component. I mean, we drove across the country, I think three times in our first year of marriage. That's a long time to be in the car with someone. Yes, I just wanted more time. Yeah, you know? I love it. You know? um, and I would say something very similar. I mean, from our very first conversation, um, I, you know, I thought I just got to call this girl because, you know, it's, uh, well, it's, I won't go into the long story, the backstory, but it was funny because I thought this would be like a 15 minute conversation. Mm -hmm. We were making plans to connect like in two weeks when she got back in town. And I think our first conversation went like two and a half or three hours. Mm -hmm. And at one point I was just like, I caught myself kind of rambling as I'm apt to do about kind of this plan I had to have this like garden. And I want to have this big like orchard and yeah. vineyard and garden on the shores of Flathead Lake and like, just like pay this house off. So we have no mortgage, but I'll just live this free life, which was totally contrary to where I live in Silicon Valley, where it was like, go, go, go all the time yes. on the treadmill. And at one point I caught myself kind of rambling and I said, I'm sorry, I just, uh, I get caught up in this vision. I, and she's like, no, 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 you have no idea. You're speaking to my heart. Like, yeah. and I, whatever I said, it was like exactly what she wanted to hear. Yeah. She, had similar, she had this similar vision of like um, a place on a lake with mountains or water and mountains, mm -hmm. something like that. And, yeah. and so, yeah, it just seemed to kind of fit, you know, with Angela, it wasn't effortful. Kind of like Angela, I had a wonderful dating experience. Like every girl I ever dated, I thought was just wonderful. I wouldn't have even asked them out in the first place if I didn't think so. Sure. There was, they were just phenomenal women. I learned something from each mm -hmm. one, but there was not, there was something missing too. And I think what, with Angela, it just felt complete. It felt mm -hmm. whole. It felt, um, it just felt like, it's almost like an undefinable thing, mm -hmm. you know? Um, mm -hmm. I think my Jewish friends call it Shmagilka, which is just some <laughs> undefinable term that's awesome. <laughs> And I think that's, that's really important is, and this, again, it sounds vague. It shouldn't be that hard. I think and, when and it's I think the right person, when it's the right person, it'll be easy or maybe not easy in a sense, but it'll just, it'll flow beautifully. Not that you won't still have challenges here or there, but just, it just seems like it just kind of flows really nice. And, and, you know, you brought the point too, like, when I left Silicon Valley and I moved to Montana, I just, I sold off a lot of material stuff I had. I just like, I like, or I donated, like I was just trying to simplify my life mm -hmm. and I was just tired of stuff and busyness and being on the trim. I just want to like simplify. And it was interesting though. The one thing I did keep though, that I didn't sell anything was my book collection. Mm -hmm. 
because it was the wisdom that I valued. And when Angela and I are like moving in and like we're looking at each other's books and we realize she's got the exact same books I do. <laughs> like literally we have the same books. Yeah. Like Not our, a, our professional development books, our professional real estate, real estate, books, estate like you know, literally, yeah. we, yeah. I mean, we have like two of every book. It's yeah. ama- It was amazing. The level yeah. of, of uh, symbiosis <laughs> that was there. So. And, and that's what I just, you know, one of the myriad of things I admire about, about Bill so much is just, he's constantly studying. He's and, and he's growing. So every day I get to learn something new. And, um, and vice was, versa. yeah, he's always yeah. teaching me things. And so I think honestly, and this might sound uh, a little contrary to popular belief, but one of the most critical attributes that I was looking for in a spouse was a growth mindset Yes. and someone who's constantly growing because yeah. um, mm-hmm. our world is an intense place and mm-hmm. we have to constantly be adapting and growing and changing. And, you know, uh, Billy, someone that I could be, I'll be able to just grow and expand with yeah. for all the number of days. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so that, and it, which is also, I think what's made our transition into married life, you know, people would say, gosh, you, you can combine 90 years of singleness. That's a lot of fixed habits and behaviors and way of doing things, but it, it's been very fluid because I think we're also both trying to anticipate one another and, I think and an increased sweat. level of maturity too. And that, that's, that is yeah, we were a lot more mature than we got yeah. married than like a 22 year old. Exactly. A lot more life experience. You know, life kind of seasons you a little bit, and you. Yeah. So yeah. in some ways, while while the flip side of that is, that, yeah, you might be a little more ingrained in your personal habits. You're a lot more wise in terms of just life and. But yeah, so and, we've, and we've makes both it easier in a seen sense. a lot. You know, ex- worked with so many different types of people and done a lot of things and done a lot of things, yeah. which just puts yeah. things in perspective. And I think. For our listeners out there, especially those of you who, um, you know, and my heart goes out to you, might have come from a, a challenging background, or you know, maybe uh, had parents whose marriage wasn't ideal, um, you know, just acknowledge that that those pains are real. That wound, those wounds are so deep. Mm-hmm. And again, now is the time to begin to really be doing that healing work and that healing journey. But to also know that just because you've been wounded, that doesn't make you ineligible for a beautiful, yeah. glorious yeah. marriage and life in mm-hmm. that, um, uh, you know, our wounds become our compass to our future and the compass to our freedom. Yeah. And um, the world so, is full of people that had yeah. a rough start or, you know, had some speed bumps along the way, but it all ended well. And I think that's the key thing is, is maintaining that relationship with God, because with God, everything, there's always happy endings with God. Mm-hmm. Sooner or later, there's always a happy ending. Yeah. So just stay faithful. I mean, that's the most important thing. Yeah. But, but again, that, that loneliness is real. That ache mm-hmm. for belonging is real. Mm-hmm. And that's something that Maria and I have talked about a little bit on some other other podcasts. Yeah. And so I think it's so important. And I, and I just want to be really bold here and, and talk about the issue of pornography. Um, because I think that that is just crippling <clears throat> um uh, our whole culture and, 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 and especially it's, it's, it's pervaded all of us, even those that, that are faithful, um, have struggled you know, or are struggling with the pornography and things that come from that. And I just want to encourage you that that might lead to some shame, to some guilt, a feeling of unworthiness, not forgivable. God's bigger. And I encourage you. That's why, again, the importance of community, of, of faithful friendships, of accountability and of really addressing that deeper ache. Cause again, all of those things are just symptoms of the deeper ache for belonging and to be known, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes that temptation towards that can be a fruit of lack of hope. Yes, 
that I'll settle for the counterfeit because I don't believe the real thing's going to come along. And so for those listeners out there, there's so many wonderful avenues to pursue that healing journey and that wholeness. And to know too, that it's a real addiction like drugs, like alcohol. And so go, you know, uh, I'm sure Maria can post some resources to start finding help to, to, because you can't win that battle by yourself. And, um, and to begin that healing journey now, Yes. And to start that journey and just to bring it into the light. Um, and that's again, where the man and woman school are so helpful because, you know, as a, as a wise friend said earlier today, it's really hard to combat pornography if you're not sleeping eight hours a night and, and getting, you know, getting sufficient exercise and building your, a solid evening routine and a morning routine and um, building your power team. And so that's just an issue I know that is ravaging so many lives and so many hearts and creating walls of shame. And um, that can make one feel unlovable. So I just want to encourage our listeners that there's so much hope. And um, and Jason and Christina Ebert have a really good program Mm -hmm. on that that I heard before. That's interesting because he goes into the psychological, you know, how it damages people psychological. I know, like, I just, I don't remember the whole course, but I remember one thing he said that when a man looks at stuff like that, you start to like look at women as like a tool. Like Mm -hmm. I grab, I I get I like a hammer, like a, like a, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to, uh, I want to do it justice. So I would just, I'll, I'll find the link and I'll send it to you, Maria, but okay. he had a really profoundly powerful um, teaching on that. That was all rooted in John Paul II's theology of the body. But mm-hmm. for people that are struggling with that issue, it was really powerful. I, yeah. I listened to it years ago, but I've got it somewhere. Yeah. And it's not indiscriminate just because you're a holy person going to mass and praying holy hours. Um, again, the evil one wants to take us down. However, however he can and he Mm -hmm. likes to fight in the dark he's not he's not very courageous Mm -hmm. and so the key is to bring it into the light get accountability help form a community and start walking into your freedom and Mm -hmm. um but but knowing you don't have to do it by yourself so i just want to encourage our listeners um i think the lord just put that on my heart so if there's a listener out there just know that you're not alone and there's Mm -hmm. so much hope for your healing and restoration and wholeness and that you are lovable there is hope You guys, this has been such a gift and such a joy. And I know that this is speaking. It always speaks to me every time I talk with you guys. And I know that's going to speak to so many of our listeners. Um, I will include ways for them to reach you guys. Uh, But they are, you guys are, are you guys, you guys are on social media. Yes. Bill more than me. I'm kind of in the dark ages. So I'm best with email. (laughs) And um, Bill's on there a little bit more than I am. Uh, So I'll link uh, all of that stuff great. and you guys cool. can find them on there. Um, and I just thank you. I, I honor you guys and the work that you guys have done and the way that you are just really living out your vocation so beautifully and walking with so many people who are struggling with hope. And I just, I'm so grateful, so grateful for you too. And so guys, come follow us on social media. We are all over Facebook and Instagram, Twitter. Um, our website is behisown.com. So come find us on there and I'll post all the things for the Schneiders. And again, thank you guys so much and God bless you all. Thank you, Maria. Appreciate Appreciate it. it. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. We would love to hear from you. Please write us at info at com. We would love to hear your comments and questions. And to learn more about our work at The Woman's School, please visit our website, thewomanschool.org. Finally, we encourage you to take the wholeness quiz, which you will find on our website, thewomanschool.org. Because as St. Edith Shine taught us, as a woman becomes whole, 
she becomes a pillar on which others can lean to be made whole. Thank you, ladies. Until next time, let us rise and together rebuild our church.